One of the hardest things for me during COVID has been officiating at funerals. Uh, Funerals are hard any time, but with COVID, it's just made it so much more difficult. Families have to wear masks. There's social distancing that's taking place. And they're only able to invite maybe 25 people or less to come to celebrate the life of one of their loved ones who they're grieving over. Right after Christmas, I had the funeral of a friend of mine by the name of Jim. I met Jim for the very first time in a basketball gym. And we were hooping it up together, and I went up for a layup, and he took me out. And uh, I wasn't too happy at him on that day, but I became uh, friends with Jim. And within time, what transpired was we really became uh, just two good buddies together. And over time, I had the opportunity to kind of present Christ to him. And then his wife came and presented Christ to her and the whole family came. And it was amazing to see like all of this transformation that was taking place in Jim's life. And then I got a phone call from his daughter right before Christmas. And this is what she said. Dad contracted the coronavirus 29 days ago. He was healthy, had no problem, was playing basketball, things were going well. But once he caught the virus, he went downhill fast. He was on in the ICU on a vent, but he didn't pull through, Chris. And I wondered if you could do his funeral. And as she shared those words with me, I was just shocked. To think that my friend wasn't around anymore. And on December 28th, just a couple of months ago, I saw my friend in a casket and I officiated at his funeral. And we did the graveside and they wouldn't even allow us to go to the graveside. So I stood at the end of this hurt with this family. And they weren't able to do the normal stuff. And this doesn't happen every single time I officiate at a funeral. But on this particular one, because it was a friend, somebody that I knew who I'd brought to Christ, I realized just how fragile life is. I mean, Jim was healthy and fine, and 29 days later, he died. You see, folks, the reality is, is that the mortality rate still hovers at 100%. Every single one of us is going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. All of you on the stream who think you're not going to die because you're not here, you're going to die too. It's the one thing that we all have in common. And some of you are here right now going, thank God I came to church today. Woo! Like, uh, really kind of got me excited about being here for the first time, Chris. You know, talk about your friend dying. 
Well, there's a method to my madness, and you'll get it over this teaching. But the reason why I opened up with an illustration like this is that out of all of the things that we've talked about in this series, love everyone always, welcome everyone always, serve everyone always, what I'm going to talk about today, folks, has the greatest chance for reward. It has the greatest risk, but it has the greatest opportunity for reward. For what I'm going to talk about today is how you can present Christ to everyone always. That when the door opens up, we're not going to take the Bible and like beat people down to come to Christ. But when the door opens up, we have an opportunity and we know what to do to be able to share Christ's love with them. Because the stakes are high, folks, and life is fragile, and we just don't know how many opportunities we're going to have to share Christ's love to other people. We don't know how many open doors we're going to have to be able to show God's love to different folks. And so this kind of leads me to our big idea this morning, and you can go ahead and put it in the app if you want, or you can write it down, and it's this. The greatest gift you can give to another human being is to introduce them to the God who loves them. The greatest gift that you can give to any other human being is to introduce them to the God who loves them. Folks, if you have ever had the opportunity to share Christ with someone and they experience God's love for the very first time, that they are totally loved, totally accepted, totally forgiven for whatever it is, you'll give them a gift that will last for all eternity. Because the greatest gift that you can give another human being is to introduce them To the God who loves them. Now I'd like you to hold that thought just for a second. And what we're going to do is talk about kind of a random Old Testament story today. It's in the second half of the Bible. The Bible has the Old Testament, which is the first half. That's where we're going to talk about. And then there's the second half that's the New Testament. And the story is actually found in 2 Kings chapter 6 verse or chapter 6 and chapter 7. And this story is about a whole group of military soldiers who are circling around a city. And they've decided that anyone who walks through the city gates, they're going to take out. They're going to kill. Now What you need to realize is that because of this, the people inside the city are scared to death for their lives. And so they won't take their sheep or their cattle out into the fields to graze and to actually get some food uh, and to get some grass. And before long... What happens inside the city is that all of the flocks die or they're eaten for food. The economy crashes and then finally they run out 
of all the grain, all the food that is in the city. People are starting to starve to death. And they get depressed and they get discouraged and they're losing all hope. And finally, the unbelievable happens. You can read it if you want. Second Kings chapter six and seven. The unbelievable happens. The Bible says that they start to practice cannibalism. So just look at the person beside you right now and just think, are they worthy of eating? Okay. And all of a sudden, you can just imagine how bleak this must be that people are willing to start eating even their children. It's just awful. Now, again, not only have I opened with an illustration on death, now I've talked to you about cannibalism. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Well, right in the middle of all of this bad stuff that's going on, there are four lepers and Leprosy was a skin disease that attacked the nervous system, and it was so contagious, they were ostracized. They were quarantined. We know what that is if you have kids and and they've been uh, near another kid with COVID. You get quarantined. You get away from everybody else. We know what that's like in our culture. And so these four lepers are by themselves, and they're at the city gate, and one of the lepers stands up one day and he says, I've had it. I'm done. I'm done. I mean, I'm either going to die from leprosy or I'm going to die from starvation. Either way, I'm going to die. So I'm walking out of this city because I'm tired of being cooped up. And maybe when I walk out, all of these soldiers will actually give me mercy. And he looks to his other buddies and he's like, are you in? And you know how guys are. Guys sometimes are just kind of like, uh, well... Got nothing better to do. Yeah, I guess we're going to die either from leprosy or starving to death. So, all right, dude, we're in. And all four of them walk outside the city gate and they have their hands up maybe like this. And they walk out thinking they're going to get shot by an arrow or clubbed or something. And all of a sudden, nothing happens. So they keep walking a little bit further and they finally get to the enemy army's camp and they walk in. And what they notice is that there is not a single soldier there. There's nobody there. And all of a sudden, what we find out is that the night before God had mercy on this city, he decided that what he would do is create noises of chariots and create noises, because he is God, of soldiers coming. And everyone who was in that enemy camp, they heard all of this and they ran away and they left everything. All the food, all the drinks, all the weapons, everything. And there's nothing in the army camp at all. And when these guys are in there, they're like, Dude, like we made it. And not only did we make it, but look at all of this stuff. Like this could all be ours. And they start like trying on some of the soldiers clothing and they just start eating. The scripture says they ate so much they couldn't even eat anymore. And they just ate more and then they threw that up. It's gross, I know, but it's in the Bible. And then they ate more because they were so hungry. 
And they, they get so full and they're like, oh man, this is awesome. And the lepers notice that with all of this food, with all of this strength, that all of these that people have left, all the army has left, they think what we'll do is we'll take all of the supplies, all the weapons, all the food, all of the drinks, and we'll go to a cave and we'll save it all and we'll live the rest of our lives. Because we're used to being separated and quarantined by everyone, but at least we won't starve to death and we'll live life to the highest. And then one of the lepers goes, guys, time out. Time out. And look at all this stuff that we have. It's like all around us. There's, there's everything that we need. But think about all of our family and friends and neighbors that are in the city. And then he says this, the scripture says this, we are not doing right. Today is the day of good news. And we need to, what's the last two words? Tell it. What is it? Tell it. We need to tell it. So the other guys kind of look around. They're like, oh, I don't know, man. We, we could be set for life. But ah, yeah, you're right. Everybody's still in the city and they're starving to death. And it's bad news for all of them. Well, let's do this. Let's get everything that we can on our backs and we'll walk back into the city and we'll tell it. We'll tell everyone what took place. So they go back into the city and they begin to start telling this amazing story. And everyone in the city starts celebrating. The little kids whose stomachs have been out like that you see on television sometimes when they're starving to death. They're finally eating for the first time. Old people who are close to death and have lost clothing, they're being clothed. There's like all of this and the lepers are so excited to share this good news with everybody. I mean, they could have kept all of this good stuff to themselves. They could have kept it in the cave, but they're sharing the good news because they realize that sharing the good news is better than keeping it to themselves. Folks, when you share good news with other people and you see that God changes their life, There is absolutely nothing better in life than that. When you see someone who was depressed and discouraged and down and all of a sudden they come to Christ and they get baptized for the very first time, and I've seen it before, you begin to weep because of the change in their life. And nothing, nothing is better than that. Folks, the power of this kind of weird, awkward Old Testament story is this, that the lepers did not keep the good news to themselves. They went and told it to other people. You know, the greatest gift, folks, that any of you could ever give to another human being is to introduce them to the God who loves them. So what if every single one of us here and every single one of you on the stream said, you know what, this has been a heck of a year. We're coming up on a year where all of this crazy has come. But you know what, I'm not going to waste a year. I'm not going to waste this next year. I want to get in the game. I want to get in the game regardless of my age. I want to get into 
the game. And so for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is share with you some suggestions of how you can get into the game and present Christ to everyone always. Now, to help with this, I'd like you to pull this out real quick. There's one in your cup holder. All of you up in the balcony, you have one too, so pull it out. For those of you that are on the stream, what I'd like you to do is just go ahead and you can go to thejar.org slash C3. And this particular uh, card is there as well. And so everybody, you can pull it out, just kind of leave it there. And what we're going to do is by using this card, we're going to answer this question. How do you become the type of Christ follower who looks for opportunities to present Christ as often as possible? Again, folks, we're not going to beat down anybody with the Bible, but we're going to share God's love with anyone. And people have had a difficult year. You and I have. They're looking for good news, and we're going to talk how we can do this. Now, the first step that you'll see there is that it says you are to pray daily, pray daily. So each day, what I want to encourage you to do is to say a prayer that I've prayed for about the last 20 years or so. And each day, this is the prayer I pray. God place one person in my path that I could show God's love. And if you do, I'm willing to present Christ in any way that's needed. It doesn't always mean that it's a big conversation. It might just be in kind acts that you're doing to someone. But each morning I wake up and I pray, God, would you place somebody in my path that I could show your love and I'll present Christ if it opens. Now, for some of you, you have opportunities that are around you all the time as you go to work each day. Your coworkers are there, and many of them are disconnected from Christ or the church. And some of your coworkers, they're hurting big time. Some of them have these self-destructive behaviors, and they're just hurting. You're like, ah, I know what could change their life. Others might be addicted to something. Others may have lost a loved one this year. And you have an opportunity to know how to give good news to them. And what God is saying to some of you today is quit walking by their desk or trying to avoid them or not be too close to them because they're too messed up. Let me just tell you this, just in case you didn't know, you're messed up. Every single one of you. And again, all of those of you on the stream, you're messed up too. Like you're really messed up. But we love you, okay? Stay safe. And many of us are just walking by other people. Now, for others of you, it's not coworkers. You're like, oh, I'm retired. I don't work. You drive by your neighbors all the time. You're like... And then you just go into your house and you do absolutely nothing to try to have a relationship. Some of you have kids... And your kids are involved in all kinds of stuff. And the only thing you're ever worried about is, I just hope I get them in there on time. I just don't want to get them. And you ignore all these relationships of people that are around you. And rather than just talking about sports or arts or the arts or music or theater, you need to start praying for them. 
When we first moved to Muncie, I knew absolutely no one in Muncie at all, except for my wife's uh, family. And they're a little bit crazy. I love them, but they're a little bit nuts. And they were the only ones that I knew. And one of the things I decided is that I would start praying for all of my neighbors. They had this thing called Lighthouse of Prayer. If you want to do it, it's very easy. You pick the five houses that are in front of you, and then you pray for the two houses on each side of you. So there's ten altogether, including you. So two and two in the five in front. And you get to know their names. Some of you don't know your neighbors' names, but you get to know them and you start praying for them. And the person that was right across from us, I take my trash down to the end of the driveway and he's taking his down and I just introduced myself because I needed a friend. I had no friends. I go, I'm desperate for a friend. No, I don't do that. Okay. But I just said, hey, I said, uh, hey, my name's Chris. He said, hey, my name's Phil. And we just had a little small talk and that was it. And over time, I got to know him uh, better and I found out that he liked football and I liked football. And so I invited him to a... Uh, high school football game, Muncie Central Bearcats. And so we went to the game. Then we started going to basketball games, and we hung out together. Uh, we watched the Daytona 500 one time, and uh, that was our thing. We did all this stuff together. And one particular night, we're driving back from a high school football game, and he started opening up about the pain of a divorce that he had gone through and how it was tough on him. And then he started to, to share a little bit about how he knew about the church and he knew I was a pastor. And he, he said, I, I was raised in the church, but I've kind of drifted away. And the truth is, is that, you know, I've had some people burn me who are religious. And so I haven't had much to do with it. And so I learned he was great with woodworking. And so we were going to do this small little mission trip before the church even started the jar and I invited him to come and he went and it like changed his life and he was so excited. And then his wife went and and since that particular experience of me just praying for him. His wife and his daughter and his granddaughter have all been baptized and uh, his two grandsons are in jar kids right now. And they're just growing closer and closer in their relationship with Christ, his son-in-law got baptized like everybody in the family during that season had grown closer to God. And folks, I'm telling you, the only thing that happened was I literally took my green tote to the end of the driveway and I started praying for him and God opened up all of these doors. So first suggestion is to pray. Secondly, to connect with people weekly, that you connect with people weekly. Now, confession time. I'm jealous of every single one of you. I'm jealous of you. And all of you that are on the stream, I'm jealous of every single one of you as well. And this is what I'm jealous of. Every single day, you get to walk around people who are disconnected from Christ in the church. Do you know who I'm around every single day? Christians. 
Every day, they're, they're Christians. It's the staff. It's the volunteers. Everybody who is around me already knows Christ. I don't have very many opportunities to actually present Christ to them. They already know the guy. And so I'm jealous of all of you. I really am. Because every single day, you get to be around people who are really, really far from God. So at different stages in my life, for me to be strategic, I've had to do different things to try to reach out to others. Like I said, first it was my neighbors, and then as the church grew, and most of my neighbors were kind of connecting with our small group, I decided, well, what I want to do now is I should reach out to others. And so when we moved to the Y, at the YMCA, they're always asking for coaches and sports programs, and so I was like, I'll do this. And... I coached baseball, I coached basketball, I even coached um, soccer, indoor soccer. I know nothing about soccer or indoor soccer. I went to the library and got a book on soccer. And I actually read it. And <laughs> I didn't know this at the time. But the guy who was my assistant coach actually knows all about soccer. And he's a soccer coach in our community. And I thought I knew more than him. What an idiot, right? And so we did all of this. And what I would do is each time I would get the little paper that had the roster of all the kids, I would pray for every single kid. I didn't know who they were. I prayed for every single one of them. And then they had their parent or their contact information. And I would pray for every single one of the parents. And what I decided, they were going to have the most fun. They were going to learn. And at the end, we would have a big old celebration. We would go to escapades. We'd go bowling. We'd do something really big. And in this period of time, we were able to reach and develop relationships and connect with people. And as I prayed for them, we had several families that came to Christ. And I'm telling you, every time I walk into the downtown YMCA today, and every time I drive by Tui Park... I am reminded of the faces of people who came to Christ because of just a little investment in their life. Because it doesn't get any better than that. So we pray, we connect, and then finally, we actually have to take the risk to invite somebody to try out church. Now, the strategy that I've been using most recently is with my kids. I actually kind of find all of the friends of my kids and I try to get to know all of their parents or the people that they know. And so whether it's swimming or soccer or ballet or dance or something else, I want to know all of their friends and I want to know the families. And I try to invest as much as I can. Now, my youngest daughter, Shiloh, is all about ballet. She loves her some ballet. And as a guy, ballet isn't like my top kind of sport, you know. I have, you're laughing, Shiloh would take you out right now. Ballet's a sport. Oh yeah. You try to do some of their stuff. I've tried. I've had, well, I've been in traction before. Let's put it that way. And so she loves ballet. And so what I would do is I would find myself at this ballet studio downtown and I would be the only male among 
dance moms. And all of the dance moms would be there, and I wasn't a dance mom. And they're like, oh, isn't this going to be wonderful, and this is going to be great? What do you think, Chris? I'm like, I I don't know. Move, dance, you know, I, I don't know. And one day, a guy walked in. And have you ever had this experience before? If you're a guy, you're a guy, you're around a whole bunch of women, and all of a sudden, another guy comes in, and you're like, ah, you're like, dude, I love you, man. You're like, dude, I'm so glad you're here. And I walked over to him, and I figured he was lost. So I said, hey, uh, this is a you know ballet dance studio. And he goes, yeah. He goes, actually, my, my daughter's dancing. I was like, thank you, God. Like, God had answered my prayers. And so I got to know him, and every Wednesday night we would connect with each other, and I learned his name was Eric, and I started asking him questions about his job. And then all of a sudden, once I learned about he and his wife and his kids, I started praying for him every single day. Just for one minute a day, uh, I would set my alarm at 1 o'clock, and I would pray for them every single day. And then we started connecting more. They actually invited us to a birthday party, and so we went to their house. And, you know, I had to act normal, which is a hard thing for me to do. And so, uh, you know, we hung out with them, and they're like, oh, they're normal. And, and this past week, I had the opportunity to talk to him a little bit about our first encounter that we had and how my invitation to him to come to church changed his life. Let's check it out. Well, Eric, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I mentioned a little bit earlier about how we met in ballet class first, and I wondered if you could talk about that first experience, how we met, and then how we grew our relationship from there. The ballet studio was right in downtown Muncie, and I was working downtown in the office at the time, and I think Chris and I's schedule somehow synced up to where we were generally doing the ballet pickup, and uh, the space was pretty small, and so if you were a dad or a, or a parent doing the pickup, we were so close that it was too awkward to even sit there on their phone. You, you had to talk to each other. So Chris and I, as the two guys in this room, I think, uh, naturally struck up a conversation. And I remember one time specifically that um, we were having a nice conversation. Uh, I left, and then I heard a commercial on the radio. And I said, geez, that sounded like Chris's voice. And the commercial was for the jar. And for the first time, it came full circle for me that, wow, Chris is the pastor at the jar. I should ask him about this because I was just so shocked because never once in our conversations had it steered towards something around faith. And not that, you know, uh, that would have been a bad thing, but it just never happened. So I was really shocked that um, he was a pastor and I was kind of intrigued uh, to, to learn a little bit more about it. You talked a little bit about hearing the radio commercial and how you put everything together that I was the guy uh, from the jar. Can you talk a little bit about how I invited you and then how your family chose to actually come and then what your first experience was like when you walked through the doors of the jar? For the- I, I think maybe we're a pretty good example of God moving around the pieces in your life to, to get you to the place that he wants. And at the time, uh, we were uh, attending Catholic uh, services. My wife grew up in the Catholic church. That's what kind of just what we had done since we started dating in high school and then married. And we just kind of been in that, that uh, role. And I guess maybe uh, we were ready 
and you said, hey, you know, maybe you guys should should come and check it out sometime. It was just the perfect moment of we really should. And so uh, I think a couple of weeks later, we made plans. We came in and I remember coming in and thinking how cool it was that the, the, the community was kind of coming together and building this space inside of the YMCA and the lights were low and the music was fantastic. And I just had a great experience. And, and Eric, you talked a little bit about how you and your wife were attending a Catholic church before you came to the jar. And what I'll never forget is one Sunday in which we were having communion and you had walked up and you took the communion. And as you were walking back to your seat, you walked in front of me and you simply said, uh, this is the first time I've ever taken communion in my life. And I just never felt worthy before that. And you kind of went back to your seat, but then I kind of became this bawling mess, uh, crying, just thinking about how much God had worked in your life. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about how God grew you through this time. You know, exposed to church uh, in these Catholic services, which were fine, no issues there. But I just was never really connected. And to be honest with you, it really scared me to think about giving up some of this control that I had built in my own life to help me be successful to, you know, to God. It just seemed like almost irresponsible to to sit back and relax and maybe let some things happen in life. I realized there's more out there and I became more interested and kind of intrigued and I, you know, could maybe see things at a different level. And I was open to, um, you know, this thought of letting God into my life and maybe uh, taking on a, a bigger part of my spirituality into Christianity and really kind of going all all in, if you will. Uh, I think with your friendship and uh, gentle prodding every now and then to get involved and do more things, it just allowed me to grow and uh, kind of grown ever since. Well, Eric, it's great to be your friend. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story and how God has moved in your life and in the life of your family. Thanks. You know, folks, I'll never get tired of change lives. If I live to be a hundred, I'll never get tired of seeing people who were disconnected. Eric talked about how he would go to church and he always felt like he wasn't worthy because he couldn't take communion. And then the first time that he did, how that changed his life. And he thought there is a God and I could give my life to this God. And uh, one of the joys that I had was I was actually able to baptize Eric a few years ago. And it was so awesome. And, and this happens to me a lot when I'm baptizing people, but I'm wet, so it doesn't matter. I started crying like a baby as I'm baptizing him. And Eric was stoic like Eric is. He just kind of said, I'm in. And that was it. Folks, I want you to know that if you ever have this experience, it's absolutely the best thing in life. It's absolutely the best to be able to present Christ to someone and for that person to experience the love of God and that they're his child. So right now, what I'd like you to do is pull out that card that I talked about earlier in the celebration. And we've talked about all of that, but on the other side, there's kind of this diagram. 
And for those of you who are on the stream, again, just go to uh, thejar.org slash C3 and you can pull this up. And what I'd like you to do for just a moment, the, the blue circle right in the middle, if you could just write your name. So whatever your name is, hopefully you know your name. Uh, you could just go ahead, write your name there. And what I'd like you to do is to simply start asking God who it is that he would like you to invest in. Who it is that he would like you to show his love. Who is it that he would like you to present Christ too. Now, as you pick these people, this is what happens. Sometimes people are like, man, this seems scary. So I'm going to pick people that live in other states. Or I'm going to pick, you know, my Aunt Clara, who is mean and nasty, and she lives in Europe. Well, mean old Aunt nasty Clara in Europe, someone in Europe is responsible to reach out to her. There are people around you, co-workers, neighbors, friends, that you're with all the time that you could show love to. And those are the names God knows you have the greatest influence with. So what I'd like you to do right now is to start asking God, who is it that you're wanting me to just start praying for Who is it that I could reach out to, to take a risk, to pray, to connect? Maybe someday it might be an invitation. I sat down at a lot of ballet rehearsals, folks, before I ever got the guts to invite him to church. But when it did, it opened Eric's world and his family and his life. And God says, you can be on that journey too. So I'm going to give you just a few minutes right now to go ahead and pray and to ask God to give you the names of three people or so. If you don't get a name, that's fine. No big deal. Take time this week to do so. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And then I want you to email your names to me because I'm going to be praying for them too. You can just give their first name. But just email me those names. My email's on there, chris at the jar.org. And as a staff... We're committed to praying for these people each month. This is what I want you to know. Is that at one time, Jim and Phil and Eric were all part of my circle of three. And it all started with praying for them and then connecting with them. And then inviting them. And then God did something in their life. And it's so amazing when you can see him moving. So right now I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to just ask God. We'll bring the lights down and uh, kind of give you a moment so you don't have to worry about it on who are the three. And for those of you that are on the stream, you can do it on the JAR app as well. So take a moment right now. Write down those names. If God gives that to you, let's pray. God, whoever the names are that you want us to reach out to, would you place those names in our mind now? In Jesus' name.
Well, I'd encourage you that if you got one name, great. Pray more this week. See who God might place on there. But I'm telling you, nothing is better in life than to give people the hope of eternity. Because the greatest gift you can give another human being is to introduce them to the God who loves them. And I pray that many of you will do that this week. Email those names to me and we'll be praying for you. And what would it look like if your friend, your coworker, your family member sometime this year was sitting in a chair beside you and it all happened because you chose to pray? So I hope you'll do that. I've been praying. I, I almost didn't. I wasn't going to share this with you, but I just felt a prompting this morning. I pray that there'd be 60 people that really would in these two celebrations that say, I'm committed and I'm going to pray. I'm going to connect. I'm going to invite because I know I'll be doing that. And I pray that you will too. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you so much for sending your one and only son to choose to have a relationship with us. And for those of you that are Christians, what I'd like you to think about is who is the person who presented Christ to you? Because I'm telling you, today you should thank them. You should text them. You should call them. You should say, thank you for doing this for me. Because we're indebted to people like that. I'm going to do that today. The person who brought Christ to me, I'm indebted to. God, we pray that you would help us to pay the gift that we've received forward. Help us to pray and connect and invite. Help us to invest in our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends. God, it's been such a difficult year. People are looking for hope. They're wanting to hear from you. God, would you open up doors so that we can be a part of your plan of introducing people to your amazing love. Now, some of you might be sitting there right now, and the reality is that you're like, I think somebody's been praying for me because I've been getting kind of stirred, and I haven't done the whole church thing, but I've been coming the last two times. Or, you know, I came today, and God's stirring something up in me. And now, I know what you jar people are about. Guilty. What we're about is wanting people to know that there is hope and there is love and there is a God of second chances who accepts and loves you exactly where you're at. And that's what we're about here. And for us not to tell you that would be like us having the cure for cancer and we kept it to ourselves. The power of the four lepers is that they left the city to share good news, to tell it. And God's asking you to do the same. And for some of you, maybe that message came to you today and you're like, I'm ready to give my life to God. I need him in my life. I need his grace. I need his love. I need his forgiveness. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but we all pray together in one here at the jar. And so I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father. I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so that I could live for you. Fill me with your Spirit 
so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name.